This podcast is brought to you by Story King Books. Sign up now and get a free copy of my latest ebook, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. The link will be in the show notes. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King Podcast, the show featuring inspirational conversations about the art and business of storytelling and living life. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's guest is life coach Daniel Adams. Daniel is a life coach who inspires leaders to profitable living by embodying the creator framework. He's helped hundreds of small business owners create millions of dollars and enjoy their kids while they receive it. Here is my conversation with Daniel Adams. Daniel Adams, welcome to the Story King podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, Giancarlo. Good to be together. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? What is your story thus far? My story. I'm a married man. Got one son who's 11. I was born in Boston, Massachusetts, and grew up skiing every weekend in Park City and spent a lot of time uh, living close to my wife's family outside of Zion National Park. And that was awesome for us. And I always knew that nine to five work was never for me and was never going to work. So I've gotten (laughs) to pioneer my own path. Um, That's looked like a lot of different things. Our time in St. George was really interesting. You know, I've heard it said that St. George is like the anti-Vegas. A lot of folks like to go (laughs) to Las Vegas to, to, to get drunk and get gambling and and get numb. And a lot of people come to St. George to get soothed and get relaxed and get connected to themselves and to God and to nature. And there's a lot of healing work that goes on in St. George. And it was amazing to serve in that area. And then, you know, our, our, our journeys brought us to Franklin, Tennessee next. (laughs) Now I have a few things to unpack here, but uh, yeah. St. George, I'm not familiar with the area. St. Where are we talking specifically? So it's Southwest Utah, just outside of Zion National Park. Gotcha. All right. And so you said that's uh, sort of the anti-Vegas. So people are going there. It's more of a meditative experience than um, lose all your money experience. (laughs) Sure. And like lots of recreation goes on there too. There are a number of reservoirs and a lot of people are out hiking and just connecting with family, connecting with nature, breathing clean air. A lot of really grounding red rocks in that area. Awesome. Now, when I first spoke to you, when I first met you, I was kind of intrigued when you're about your story about coming to the franklin area of tennessee i i asked you and and your response was that god called you there so i i kind of want you to elaborate on that you know i i come from a christian tradition as well so that language is not weird to me but for a lot of listeners it it may seem kind of strange so if you could say what does a call from god sound like how did you know it was the right move or that you were hearing god correctly it's such an awesome question. And, you know, it might be different words for different people, but like, so here we are living outside of Zion National Park. And um, I was just feeling complete with my time in the desert. Mm-hmm. And I was reading um, this author, Jeff Goins, that 
I mm. follow and it said Franklin, Tennessee on the bottom of his email, mm. you know, bottom of his MailChimp or whatever. I read Jeff Goins as well. He's, he's cool. Yeah. And when I saw Franklin, Tennessee, I just like heard this like almost audible voice that was like moved to Franklin, Tennessee. Wow. And I was like, what's that? Like, where's <laughs> that? So we like, I like look it up on a map, like, oh, it's by Nashville. What time zone is that? Uh, Central. Okay. But know nothing about Franklin, Tennessee. And it just kept being on my heart and just kept being on my mind. And I like could not shake it just over and over and over again, move to Franklin, Tennessee. You need to move to Franklin, Tennessee. You need to move to Franklin, Tennessee. And so I told my wife and I was like, hey, I'm feeling really strongly about moving to Franklin, Tennessee. And I don't know why. And she's like, yeah, why? Like we have no family out there. We know nobody you know, east of the Mississippi, like we have nothing out there. Why would we do that? And I was like, I, I don't know. It just feels important to me. <laughs> and she's like, whatever, that's weird. <laughs> and so then we came back, you know, and it like kept going for a couple of days. And I was like, Hey, like, I'm really feel like, can we just go out there and see what's even out there? And she's like, sure, whatever. Tell you what, if a thousand extra dollars lands in our bank account, in the next seven days, I'll fly out with you and we'll just see what's there. <laughs> uh -huh. So the next morning, the federal stimulus drops <laughs> $4,500 that, you know, we didn't ask for. It just shows up in the bank account and is like, hey, like, here's some extra. I guess we're going to Franklin, right? And we, we flew out and just like experience after experience after experience. It was like, Franklin is the place and not Murfreesboro and not spring hill and not nashville and not anywhere else like franklin specifically hmm. um and it, you know we drove around all these places we went out to knoxville we went into kentucky we we're just looking you know because we could live anywhere um you know working from home and with my life coaching business and it just franklin it was so strong to me that like this was the place so like you know whether that's coincidence whether that's god whether that's me making up stuff like i like to say it's god just because it felt so strong to me and so pervasive and so like just over many months and the longer we've been here uh, it's really served our family so i call it god awesome did your wife eventually feel the pull as well or was she just kind of going along for the ride and still is <laughs> she had she's had a couple of experiences of just little synchronicities little mm -hmm. coincidences that are like hey i'm glad you're here okay. um and we've made great friends here and and she's definitely warm to the area and enjoying it and you know integrated in the community and awesome now you said you're a life coach i know you've also done some work with couples and and so forth why don't you just tell me overall about your work sure so i work as a life coach um one way of defining that um maybe the label of relationship coach most importantly i help family-centered small business owners profit in their business and then profit at home emotionally and relationally because for anybody that like works for themselves you know they're like closely tied <laughs> right like if things are solid at home, I'm going to be better at work. If things are better at work, it's going to be easier to be solid at home and vice versa, right? If they're like major energy drains at home, it's going to affect my work. And if there's major stuff going on at work, it affects how I treat my kids, affects how mm -hmm. I treat my wife. So I love helping folks get profitable. 
in all ways, relationally, emotionally, financially. And I'll just pause there. We'll keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's awesome. I mean, that's a delicate balance, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Work and life and profiting in both. And it almost seems like, well, you really can't, you know, if you, if it's either me or the money, you know, because it's time, right? right? So how do you even balance that? And how do you tell people to balance that because both things are needed, right? You need to be there for your family. You need to be present and you need to be able to support the family. Otherwise, you're going to have some major issues. So it's such a relevant question. Yeah. So how do you, what's your approach? How do you even go about, you know, let, let's say somebody comes to you and they're totally out of balance. <laughs> they're working forever. They're, their wife and kids are not seeing them. Or, you know, or vice versa, there's too much time and they're not making ends meet. Like, so what's your approach to even creating balance in their lives? Yeah, we start with an emotional capital valuation. When we okay. talk emotional capital, um, you know, imagine every person has like 2 million emotional capital bucks <laughs> and that's always going somewhere. This is like, where am I putting my time? Where am I putting my energy? Where am I putting my dollars? You know, I was talking with a client this week whose parents are having health challenges. She's ramping up her business. She like has more work than she knows what to do with. People keep asking her like, hey, will you serve my friends? And, you know, will you serve my mm -hmm. church community? And and her parents are having these health challenges that are just like chewing up a lot of time, a lot of energy. There's a lot of emotion involved based on how they've related together over the years, right? Where like she was feeling pretty resentful and now all of a sudden they're like, hey, you need to take care of us. And she's like, oh, you spent your whole life not taking care of me. So maybe I will and maybe I won't. And this is like a huge emotional piece for her, right? Like every night when she's going to bed, this is what she's thinking about. And it's mm -hmm. not about serving her clients. It's about taking care of her parents. It's not about her four kids. It's not about her kids transitioning into adulthood. It's not about all you know becoming an empty nester next year mm. it's just like so much of her emotional capital is going into caring for her parents and all the emotions that are tied up in that and so like you know people ask me all the time like relationship coach like does that make you a counselor it's like not necessarily because we're focusing on what wants to get created and that's part of what sets coaching apart it's like what we're building not what we're fixing Gotcha. And so when we look at the emotional capital valuation, right? Like we're getting clear on where is my time and my energy going? You know, if I could break it down into percentages, what percent's going to family? What percent's going to work? What percent's going to like switching my utilities over when I move? What percent is going into health and wellness and fitness? What percent is going into, you know, civic clubs and school boards and anything else that's going on in life? Or it might be wellness challenges or taking care of parents or like whatever it is, might be navigating divorce, might be church things. Uh, so getting clear on, on all of that, that's, that's step number one. And then also getting clear on like, where is it that you're wanting to go? Like, what are your most important values and are you aligned with that? And that's where we start. That's so fascinating to me. I love the whole phrase, emotional capital. It, it reminds me of something I, I always say, I, I always say like, I compare it to real estate in people's minds. So like how much mm -hmm. how much is something taking up real estate in your mind? You know that, that to me that's the the most basic analogy I can think of, you know, like cuz you only have a limited amount of space. I mean your mind is limitless. However, 
your emotions really aren't, <laughs> you know, like you can only take so much. And so that's interesting that you're saying that there's one problem that can kind of like be just overflowing everything in, in our mind. So I do want you to kind of talk about the steps about freeing up emotional capital, but I'm, I'm also curious about the specific example you just gave yeah. and what you told that person, because that's a big thing. We're, we're dealing with that ourselves. We're not caring for parents right now, but our parents are having more health issues. And, you know, we see them making choices we don't necessarily <laughs> approve of for their health. Right. And we really can't do anything. We're in another state. And, and even if we were in that state, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. But it still causes a lot of distress. And like, okay, what are we going to do? So what was your advice for that particular person? Or are you still just kind of working through it with them? Everything starts with realizing that I am not my thoughts, but I'm a person who has thoughts. And every time I have a thought that creates a sensation in my body, most of those sensations are uncomfortable. If I think about eating chocolate, usually I start salivating. <laughs> I might start feeling some tingles. I might want to like stand up and move, whatever. If I start thinking about, you know, my quietest child, like getting hurt, that's going to create a sensation in my body for some people, you know, that's lump in the throat. That's, you know, gut punch. That's like, you know, tears welling up behind the nose and the eyes. This is all based on what I'm thinking about, right? Cause we're just sitting here listening to a podcast, but then as we have thoughts, it starts to create different body sensations. So we start with that. And now when we're talking about parents, like I could be sitting in another state and I start thinking about my parents and then I start having body sensations. So I get to notice those. And these are kind of like clues as to like, what do we need to feel through? Because emotion was made to move. And a lot of what gets stuck, a lot of what chews up huge real estate in our emotional capital bandwidth is all these things that we haven't felt and that we're not willing to feel. So we spend half our time just resisting it and being like, well, it's silly that this is happening. Hmm. And that's where a lot of it's going. Like, well, this shouldn't be happening. And then I'm like fighting it all day. And then that shows up in my communication you know, with parents, it shows up in my communication with the doctor, with the medical staff, with whoever it is. But a lot of it's based on my own thoughts, my own body sensations that I really don't want to deal with and that I'm resisting. And like, there's a battle going on in my own head and that's taken up a ton of time and a ton of real estate. So once we feel through that, like it's maybe 30 seconds, maybe it's a good cry for two minutes and then we get fresh and then we're ready to go create. We're ready to get clear on like, what are the agreements between parties. And this is a huge part, you know, of, of the action taking that goes on in coaching is finishing conversations and making sure that any loops are closed and clarifying conversations and looking at like, what am I responsible for? What are my parents responsible for? Do they feel like I owe them anything? Is that really true? Do I, do I want to, right? And we get, a, get like radically honest um, with like, what are the agreements between us? And is it truly a win? Hmm. And, and I know there's a lot there. There's one other component too. Part of what creates profitable living is when everybody focuses on what their genius is. Uh, Gay Hendricks uses that term in the big leap. And he talks about our zones of genius. There's some things that we're competent at. There's some things we're terrible at. There's some things we're pretty good at. And then there's the things that like light us up and we could do them all day, every day. And it's like our unique gift. Like, why are we on the planet? And the more time we spend in our genius, that's what 
creates profitable living. And so, you know, in the parent conversation, is it in my genius to be making healthcare decisions for parents? That's like an honest question that we have to ask. Or are there other resources who it is in their genius to help parents? And so we start looking, you know, and this works for like real estate agents. This works in situations with parents. This is part of what frees up the emotional capital is looking at like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this truly fulfilling for me or am I doing it because I should? And if I'm doing it because I should, like that's going to burn time and energy and I'm going to fight the whole process. And my parents are probably going to fight me through the whole process because like I didn't want to be doing it in the first place. I got you. Okay. So I want to push you a little bit on that because I think it's an, I, I think it's interesting. So let's say I can, I can see the one hand where maybe it's just sort of a feeling of guilt right that or right. whatever well, and i'm still going with the parent analogy but where maybe you aren't even able to help the parents but you still have this source of guilt and whatever and it's and it's uh taking up a lot of that emotional capital right well yeah. what if it is something where you actually really do need to do something but you still have your business your family and everything then what what's the next step after that mm. I was thinking about there was a fellow in Chicago who massively successful Kickstarter campaigns, uh, all sorts of six figure months. And then dad had a stroke hmm. and strained relationship for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden dad's like now, you know, dad went from being fiercely independent and pretty neglectful to like being very dependent and like, Hey son, you need to, be here and take care of all my things and make all these decisions. And I need you to manage my estate and I need you to manage my finance and all <laughs> wow. the things. And he's like, whoa, <laughs> right. And business took a huge hit for him. Like just kind of they're surviving hmm. um, while he was taking care of dad. And it became this huge burden. And as he worked through all the emotions, you know, the sensations that he was unwilling to feel, he started feeling them. And that freed up a little bit of space to where he had space for creative ideas that he had never thought of before. And he got to start practicing receiving and asking for help because most small business owners aren't super good at asking for help. They're really good at giving. They're not as good <laughs> at receiving. So he got to like build a support team in order to support his business while he was helping dad. Turns out with the way dad's pensions and stuff worked that like it was a huge burden for him to be in the hospital and be living at home. He decided he wanted to sell the home with all his VA pensions and stuff. He's like literally salaried to live in an assisted living facility and is like actively making more money than he spends every month because he went to an assisted living facility. Was that a difficult choice? Yeah. Were there like some really intense conversations for a fiercely independent man who did not want to go into living you know, is this a living situation? Yes. But the small business owner, you know, he was looking at like what's in my genius and what's not. And taking care of dad at my house is not a win for me. <laughs> right. E you know, even though I love him, even though we're confused, even though there's some strain there, but now here it is like his dad's grateful the estate's being managed. He showed up powerfully. He now has a seven-figure inheritance coming his way. His dad's like making more money than he spends every month between all his pensions and VA and stuff. And it was intense to go through that process and to feel through that process. And 
like options are available to him now that weren't available a year ago. Hmm. And this is part of the magic of freeing up emotional capital. Like it makes space for new creations and makes space for new possibilities. And you encourage people to work through the feelings that they would otherwise numb with whatever <laughs> or, right. or just avoid. And you're saying that actually helps free up emotional capital. Yeah, like the emotions coming out one way or another. Okay. Like, Whether it's yelling at your spouse. <laughs> totally. Or, or kids. It's going to come out sideways, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Whether I'm road raging or screaming at my family members, it's going to come out sideways. You know, if I feel like I can never, ever, ever cry for a lot of people that shows up as physical symptoms later, you know, the emotions coming out one way or another. So if we can give it a healthy channel mm -hmm. to move in, it's anger huge with that. You know, I love taking clients to rage rooms. Are you familiar with those? <laughs> no. <laughs> They so sound they, fun. <laughs> they are fun. Yeah. It's, you know, you pay 30 bucks. They've got four weapons on the wall and you like smash a bunch of furniture um, for like 30 where, minutes or whatever. Where in the world are those things? It's a, there are a bunch of them like at axe throwing places. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So I love taking clients there because it's like a healthy place to like go experience your anger. So we hit the release valve. You know, it's like letting the steam off. Mm-hmm. Because emotion is neutral and natural, but that's not what people are taught. You know, we're, we're taught that emotion is threatening. And for many people, it is. It causes a lot of pain. But like, you know, like I said, it's coming out one way or another. So we, we've got to deal with it in a healthy way. And once we do that, like that's part of where profit comes from. Like I'm a big fan of the idea that the way I do one thing is the way I do all things. And that's that's why there's a link between like if I'm taking care of business at home, I'm also going to be taking care of business in my business. If I can get one of those to profit, it's going to spread into the other because they're just habits of like receiving at a greater level than I'm giving. It's kind of like the verse, right? The uh, you're faithful with the little, you'll be faithful with much. Has that same uh, resonance to me. 100%. What's that scripture in Matthew? Like whoso continueth to receive to him shall be added upon. Whoso continueth not to receive them shall be taken away that which they have. Right. And I think you kind of just modernized the whole idea because that's kind of a tricky yeah. verse when you read it. Right. But if you say like how I do one thing is how I do all things that sheds more light on the, on that verse too. just kind of like it's the way you operate in life. It's the your mode of living. Yeah. Your modus operandi. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to describe it. Yeah. It reminds me too of the morning pages. Are you familiar with uh, Julia Cameron's work in the artist way? Oh, it's been a minute. Somebody was like, the last I heard of it was like 2019. Tell me more about the artist's way. Well, the artist's way, the biggest thing I got from that is this idea of the morning pages. And it really sounds like what you're saying about freeing up emotional capital. So, you know, she was a writer. She was actually married to Martin Scorsese for a while. And uh, what she does, she says every day is she does these morning pages that are not intended to create it's just uh, like an emotional dump the things you have to do that day whatever mm -hmm. just get that all out once you do your morning pages three pages or whatever you're ready to create so that's kind of like to me and i i don't do it consistently every day but i know whenever i'm stressed man i just like dump that all out on into a journal and it there is something like just having that outlet 
You yeah, know, it's a like, safe place to emote. Right. So it's kind of like you do need a place to to emote, like you said. So whether it's a, a rage room, which which now I'm very curious about, I'm going to be Googling <laughs> that yeah. later today or a safer mode like journaling where there aren't axes and weapons around. But yeah, that's that's what it reminded me. Now, you have a, something called the creator is that like a framework? I, I noticed that it's an acronym, but I I, I didn't it see is, what yeah. the acronym stands for. So what is the creator acronym about? So creator is what I feel is like the premier personal development framework in the marketplace for embodying profitable living. If we're going to live profitably, there are like seven characteristics that I, I've been leading clients to embody over and over and over again. And We've got it systemized. So the first is creative confidence. Creative and that confidence. says it, it, it's self-trust, essentially. Am I the guy who does what he says he will? Am I the guy that tells the truth? Am I the guy that can have a desire, go create it, and then be celebrated for it? Mm-hmm. And embodying that is huge. And it's like the groundwork for profitable living. Next is relational resilience. Because, and the reason I call myself a relationship coach is it's not so much marriage. It's like any relationship, whether that's relationship with God, Mm. relationship with self, sure. Relationship with spouse is huge relationship with kids. Um, Every solution comes through a relationship of some kind. So making sure that communication skills are effective, compassionate, connective is a huge part of relational resilience. Um, empowered emotion. We've been talking a lot about like, I've got to feel it. Like, I love what you've been doing with, with the morning pages. Like I got to create space. I got to take the trash out so that there's space for circulation and flow. It happens with our ideas, happens with our, you know, our blood flow happens with nutrition. It's, it's, it's a spiritual principle and a physical application. Same thing with money. You know, we circulate money, whether that's to church, to charity, to one gen away, whatever it is you know, make space for more money. Everybody profits when we exchange. A is abundant attraction. And that's looking at like attraction in all senses of the word. How do we make your business attractive to where it's visible, to where it's viewable, to where there are a number of evangelizers who have such an amazing experience with your brand that they go tell everybody else about the experience that they just had and invite others to it, right? It's it's growth by multiplication instead of addition. And what can we do to turn on that attraction level? T is transformative thoughts. We talked a little bit about like getting my thoughts in a solid place and noticing what are the feelings that come right after the thoughts. O is open-hearted oneness. And what does it look like to be deeply connected with myself, with the shadowy parts of me that I don't like with the bright parts of me that I'm real excited about with my strengths, with my weaknesses, all of it. What does it look like to work together in community together? What does it look like to be open to the work that God has for us? And then R is rich receiving. Cause like I said before, most people are really good at giving and most people have a receiving problem to where they're, they're pretty limited in what they're willing to receive. And so we expand small business owners' capacity to receive help, mm. money, uh, notoriety, marketing, uh, affection from spouse, 
praise from kids, compliments, all these things, and working through that that creator framework is so much of like, you know, one client just, she sent me a text the other day. There's like, oh my gosh, just made 200 grand this month and profited $62,000 of it. And she's just like, you know, single mom coming off a divorce after 25 years. And she's just like, I had no idea this was even possible. And it's like, she's embodying all these parts of the framework. And it's just like, she's a magnet and people just send her business like faster than she can hire. And it's like crazy fun to watch. Wow. And I I love the last one too, Rich Receiving, because I know you have a question that you like to ask, how good can you stand it? And I was, when we were speaking, when I first met you, I found that such an interesting idea because you're basically saying that there are ways we sabotage our own success. Is that, is that kind of what you were getting at? Yeah. Uh, And Gay Hendricks, again, talks a lot about this in his book, The Big Leap. And I, Self-sabotage comes up a lot. I like to think of it as self-protection because very few people sabotage themselves, but everybody protects themselves. Mm. And think about it. The other day I went to a Rotary Club function. We were, I don't even remember what it was for, but they were giving away uh, soccer tickets at the beginning, uh, one of the banks there. And they said, you know, look down under your chair and see if you won. And I looked down and lo and behold, here's an envelope. And I was like thinking, surely there's, you know, six other envelopes in here. There was just one. (laughs) And the lady next to me was like, oh my gosh, you just won. I was warming up this seat for you. And the other guy was like, ah, why didn't I sit there? (laughs) And as people, I felt all the attention in the room turned to me. And in this moment, I started having these body sensations, wondering if I was safe and wondering like, oh my gosh, like, you know, did I rip her off? Like, should this lady have sat there? Like, should I offer the tickets? Like I started feeling bad, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, maybe she should have won. Maybe I should give them to her. And it was this moment where like, how good could I stand it? Right? Like there are 70 seats in this auditorium and I picked the one that won. And some part of me was uncomfortable with receiving at that level wow. and to stand up in the middle of the thing and hold up my tickets and go, Hey, I won. And let people clap and celebrate. And people started to clap and celebrate. And some part of me started to shrink. And it was like, don't see me. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to get kicked out of the tribe. I don't want to look too, you know, I don't want to brag. I don't want to. And it was wild, the sequence that went on. And I noticed it, you know, and held up my tickets. And a bunch of people are like, oh, my gosh, Daniel, you won. That's great. And people were clapping and cheering. And it was like to to relax my body through that whole process was intense. Hmm. Like take a breath and to soak that in and to be seen in my success uh, required a level of vulnerability. It required a level of awareness to like stand up, you know, with my shoulders back and be proud of that moment in front Mm -hmm. of the group. And this is part of rich receiving, you know, there are all sorts of little experiences like that, whether it's, you know, somebody gives a compliment and is that something I swat away or is it some, you know, is it something I deflect? Oh, so-and-so is way better than that, you know, way better than me at that. Or, you know, yeah, it was my team that did it all. I'm like, that's true. And is there a space for like, you know, if somebody says something really nice about me, what is it like to look them straight in the face, deep in the eyes, take a deep breath and say, thank you. <laughs> and just breathe with it. <laughs> right you know, without getting squeamish or, you know, body language or anything, just like to fully and completely receive what people are giving. And that's part of the exchange that is joyous. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
when I'm receiving at full capacity, what other people are loving to give. And this is part of profitable living. I so have to pay attention now in my own life to see if I have that tendency because it, it it resonates as true when you were saying that, like you're in a room, there's only one ticket. Why do you have it? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> totally. I can, I can see that tendency and now I have to like say, but it's never something I thought about. So I'm going to pay attention more in my own life. I, I do want people to be able to to dig more into to your work and also to even to hire you for services. I think you you guys have so much to offer, but I do have one question. What's that? that? I ask every guest at the end of the interview, and that's if you could have one superpower, Daniel, what would it be and why? One superpower. I love to fly. I love to fly in, you know, Cessnas. I love to fly on jet airplanes. I love to fly in helicopters. I would love to fly. And for me, it's all about personal freedom. That's one of my core values. That's what everything comes back to me. You know, son of freedom, born in Boston. That that runs deep for me. Uh, That's one of mine too, is is flying. That to me, that always represents freedom too. Just just fly. <laughs> awesome answer. I would love to be able to fly. Now, people did want to follow you online. If they want to reach out for your services, where can they go about doing all of that? What's the best place? You can create on Linktree is the perfect spot. Uh, so the, you know, it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash you can create, mm. which is like spelled normal. And that's that's got a full full list of the services, whether it's emotional capital valuation, We've got a free creator quiz to see where you're at with all seven of those characteristics, creative confidence and rich receiving and everything in there. Cool. So you can see where you're at. And there's also, we're really excited. We just launched the membership community for creator. It's like $11 a month. Like we're crazy excited to get it to all these small business owners, you know, for less than the price of Netflix, huge value there. <laughs> so yeah, pumped, pumped to connect as many small business owners as possible with this. And can they also go? Can you also access that on the you can create link tree or yeah. is that its own? Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. So the that's link the tree has, thing. yeah. The link tree has all, all of those, all those options, services. you know, whichever one fits you the best. And awesome. if you have questions, like reach out, like let's have a conversation for sure. That's, that's, that's where the gold is, is just talking. Awesome. I mean, I, I've had a blast with this conversation. I'm going to make sure your, your link is in the show notes. Daniel Adams, thank you so much for joining us on the Story King podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Giancarlo. It's amazing what you're building. So that was my conversation with Daniel Adams. His links will be in the show notes. And don't forget to check out storykingbooks.com. Also, you can follow us on Instagram. The username is storyking.podcast. I post weekly short stories, writing tips, quotes from famous authors. You don't want to miss that. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash storykingpodcast. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing with this show, please consider becoming a patron. You can choose a monthly membership tier at www.patreon.com forward slash the story king all those links i just mentioned will be in the show notes one more thing if you're enjoying this podcast please do me the favor of sharing the show with your friends and on social media subscribing to it leaving a positive review on itunes spotify 
anywhere you get your podcasts. I'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Story King podcast, a show about the art and business of storytelling and living life. Please join us next time. Until then.